You gotta have a podcast. 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 What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of You Gotta Have a Podcast. I am, yet again, your host, Angela Palladino. Thank you again for joining me today as we continue the season of The Swerve. Today's episode, I'm going to say, is probably our swerviest yet. My guest today is a purpose and passion-driven creative director, writer, actor, host, and former tour manager for big names like John Mayer. His name is Scotty Crow. Scotty and I peel back the layers of his many swerves to see what drives them. He takes us through his journey swerving all around the world, and we find out how he's made his way back home to Atlanta, where he's found a sweet spot of balance with his career and life. This one was a real eye-opener, and I hope that you'll enjoy hearing all the wisdom that Scotty has to share. Here is my conversation with Scotty Crow. Not to be super on theme, but I feel like it all started with a, a pretty big left turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had ended up going to Georgia Tech for college and was a math major and had always been super steeped in math and science throughout my entire schooling and and was there and didn't really know what I was going to do. I sort of thought I would go to law school perhaps because it was more school and I was good at school and that felt fine in terms of being able to delay a decision for some amount of time. And then when I was there, um, Georgia Tech's located in Atlanta and I was a big live music fan. I grew up with my parents taking me to live music shows throughout my entire childhood. Mm-hmm. And so when I could, I started to go see live music as often as often as I could. And happened to be in Atlanta at the same time that John Mayer, the musician, was starting his career in Atlanta. And he was playing venues that were small enough to where we could chop it up after shows and kind of got to know each other. And over the course of a couple months, you know, became friendly. And then I had a summer off from college and through a mutual friend hit him up and basically asked if he needed any help with an album release that was coming out or tour or merchandise or anything. And he actually needed a tour manager. And so he was like, uh, yeah, I'm going on my first ever tour, need a tour manager. I think you might be the guy. Are you interested in coming on the road? And I was like, yeah. So, um, yeah, so went from like being super sort of school focused and feeling that that was my path to jumping on tour. And then he happened to be a musician that just had this like meteoric rise to success. And so after a couple months, I was like pretty, I was having a great time. I was learning a lot. Um, I was like just enamored by what was happening around me. So, um, so basically stayed on the road for the next four years. And so that kind of launched me into, into working in music. But then as a, as a component of that, um, I was doing a lot of writing at the time, trying to share kind of what was happening on the road out with the world. And also just for context, we were like, three dudes in a 12 passenger van <laughs> driving around like the Southeast and the Midwest, like playing like shows at bars. Yeah, like the and young so guys it was too, like, like early twenties, late teens. 100%. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I mean, I, th- I think about this because I was like 19 at the yeah. time and there were some venues that I wasn't allowed to be in. And so I was a tour manager and I'd like load the band in, get everybody set up and then be required by law to leave the venue until the show was over to which I could go get paid for, for the oh night. Like it was like <laughs> kind of wild to think about. Um, 
but it was an incredible period in my life for sure. And then I think that through that, I was like, oh, this is a space, whether it's in entertainment or creative industries, sort of creative Mm self-expression that I feel like I want to, I want to like stay working in and then also start to figure out like, where does my voice land in all of that? So I feel like that's kind of the, the start of a lot of the start of the path that I think that I've ended up now, despite a lot of the uh, twists and turns. Yeah. So, and especially when you were touring around and you were working on also all the writing you were doing, that was for the uh, blog, right? The road journal. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. No, go I was going to say, was that off. like, was that like able to use your voice in, an, in another way, not just, you know, creating call sheets? <laughs> How was that experience yeah. for you? <laughs> Though, though I do think that you and I have a mutual love for creating a really tight call sheet. I know, I know, we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, so the... So the wild thing about this is this is like 2000, 2001 when blogs actually didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like it was so... No website updated regularly, much less like daily. And there was no social media, like this idea of like status updates, like didn't even, like yeah. the concept wasn't even this born is yet. Like and almost so pre live journal. So <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no, no, it's for, for sure. For sure. And so, um, so we kind of had this idea and other bands were doing, doing these kinds of things, but we had this idea that we would publish an update of what was happening on our tour every day and refresh Sony Columbia owned the website at the time (laughs) and we'd ask them to basically create an editor within like custom create an editor within the site and then refresh the entire site every day so that we could publish these like text updates essentially (laughs) it's like so wild to think about um so it was it was essentially a blog but the idea was that it was an account through my eyes of what was happening every day on tour there were some pieces about the show and what songs were played but more than anything it was kind of like what were we experiencing out there trying to figure out what it was like to, to make it on the road. Mm-hmm. And so, so I was actually thinking about this and I think that the, the, the immediate output was that as, as John became more and more known me by association, I had this like little cohort of people who would read the road journal and then I, I would meet them. And like, that was really fun and exciting and a real highlight. But as I think about it, it's like, the real gift that happened through that period was I was put into this, um, into this routine where I needed to create something that was published every mm-hmm. day for essentially four years. Yeah, wow. And I think that there was exactly what you said, where I was like, I had to figure out, I had to figure out what my voice was and did I enjoy it enough to, to commit to it. And I needed to be proud enough of it to where it represented, like my name was on yeah. it and also someone much more important than his me's name was on it as well. <laughs> and so I think that there was like, it, it was a really amazing and beautiful ramp up into what, what that looks like. And I kind of have been reflecting on this a little bit over the past month or so, but I think for me, it like, it set a little bit of a tone of how I enjoy things in life that have like, um, that kind of commitment mm-hmm. where yeah. there's like a, a daily or a weekly cadence of, of output that I think is, is more about creative expression than necessarily trying to, um, like, you know, sure. I'd like a sub stack with 10,000 subscribers, but I think it's like not really about that. Yeah. It's about like feeling good enough to put something out into the world with such regularity. So I think that from a, from a creative standpoint, like those early days in the road journal were su- super key mm-hmm. in terms of 
in terms of, I think writing is a medium mm-hmm. and something that still feels like super true to me right now. Yeah. There, it's interesting. You talk about those two different things, like not only the cadence of output, which is, I feel like such an apt way to describe how, like when I think about like your work, well, cadence comes to mind. Cause I know you're really into running and you do so much work with running di- different organizations, uh. <laughs> but also, um, like finding your voice at that young age in your early twenties, having to write every day and figuring out your style on a public platform that like, it's not like you just had your own personal blog, like, (laughs) you know, it must've been um, (laughs) kind of a bit of a trial by fire uh, and also like exhilarating (laughs) at the same time. Yeah, no, it, it, it super was. And I mean, I think that the fact that, John, like what I was writing resonated with John, yeah. which I think was like really key right? because like, I think we, we were developing a, a friendship, but obviously respected his creative eye like above and beyond. Uh-huh. And so the fact that he really dug it was like this incredible validation for what I was like putting into the world was cool. And then fans were responding to it. And so I think that it, it in a way showed me that, uh, at times <laughs> like, what I have to say resonates with people or can entertain people in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was like, because then after that, um, ultimately I decided to move to Los Angeles and wanted to continue writing Mm -hmm. and acting, but working in film and TV. And it's really from the confidence that like from the feedback loop that I had from writing the road journal, because I think like, if it's a different time and I have a medium account, you know what I mean? Like I'm not getting that same, yeah, exactly. maybe I'm getting a bunch of claps, but I don't know <laughs> if I'm like, yo, I'm going to move to LA and be a, sc- a screenwriter. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it feels like a much bigger, bigger jump in a lot of yeah, ways. Absolutely. And so, so when you, you had all these great experiences, sort of like almost a second college touring and, and working on this. Cause you, you, um, you know, we're so young. Then when you get to LA, uh, after that all sort of slows down and you decide, oh, I'm going to go pursue screenwriting and acting. Was it a little scary or were you just, you know, young, dumb and full of, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 kind of young, super dumb for sure. <laughs> full of everything, full of myself. I, I thought, I mean, I think this is, this was my experience and I'm sure a lot of people have similar and a lot of people have super different experiences, but I think because of where I was coming from, I was blessed to know I had a community. I had like a, a group of people out there mm-hmm. and I had a group of people out there who had all put in work and had a, a decent level of success. Yeah. And I was folded into like them as my social circle. And I think believing, believing that like that was going to give me um, at least, at least one, if not like two or three steps in, into some doors. Mm-hmm. And I actually moved to LA because a friend of mine who's very dear and wonderful was like, Hey, we have a, we have a pilot for a talk show. We want you to be a host on the talk show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a it was actually a talk show sitcom hybrid. It's a great idea. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to say it now. If anybody hears this, they want to make it hit me up, but it was like Mr. Rogers neighborhood, but for like MTV. So oh, it cool. was like, instead of yeah. You know what I mean? So instead of like the people on PBS coming in, it would be like TRL, like TRL 2.0 kind of Uh in some ways. Anyway, I was like, this is great. I was super obsessed with like pop culture and MTV culture at the Mm -hmm. time. And so we move out, we we shoot the pilot and like nothing ever comes from Mm -hmm. it, you know? And, um, it happens. And then I learned that that's that, but that's like, yeah, that's, that's what happens 98% (laughs) of the time, all the time. And 
And I think no, no, no one had like showed me that stat sheet before I went out. Uh, yeah. So, so I think, so I think that like, I, I kind of spent the first, I would say six months out there learning that I, I didn't exactly have everything set up the way that I thought. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, for me to do it the way that I wanted to do it needed to start from square one because, because the other side of it is like, I hadn't really done any work on what my own creative identity was. Yeah. It was all kind of wrapped up into, into the, the role and, and the, the life that I had had on tour. And I think in context to that tour. And right. so the ideas that I had were like, were super, they're just like flimsy ideas that a young dumb kid has, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and, and I think some of it's like, I really thought that I really thought I wanted to be on SNL. And so I went to Groundlings, yeah. you know what I mean? And then I was like, Oh, improv actually isn't my thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I respect it so much, but it's like, it's not my forte, mm-hmm. but I think that I hadn't, I hadn't done any work to really be like, not, um, not like what stages do I want to be on one day, yeah. but what do I, what do I want to be in process of on the way there? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and so, and so once I got to LA and, and I like had some stumbles, then I was like, oh, cool. What, what do I want to learn? And what do I want to dig into on the way to trying to figure out what my, what my real goal is or, or whatnot. Yeah. So, um, so I think that early time was really critical for that. Yeah. That's interesting because like, for example, that sort of SNL, uh, say that's the goal, right? For example, people, you might think that there's like the, the one way to get there. You know, you do groundlings, you do this, you do that, but four years later you're on SNL. But in reality, there's like a million Boom. different angles that you can sort of get in on. It's uh, that's a lesson that I've learned in the last like seven years <laughs> in New York, just trying to sort of uh, figure my own path out. And it's like the end goal is still the same, but the path <laughs> is a little bit more squiggly than uh, <laughs> it, it did yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and I think that the, I think also in, it, it, I'm sure in many industries, but I think specifically in, in a lot of the entertainment and creative industries, it's like the, the path that we are led to believe is a path is purely anecdotal from somebody that we heard a story from, but, but like, there's no, there's absolutely no prerequisite or playbook for how any of that looks. But I, I I didn't know that when I started, as I think that we all have to figure it out in in a lot of ways. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten is from a friend of mine who basically told me if anyone tells you that they know exactly how to do something in the entertainment industry, they're fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah. This, I, I love it. I love it. Um, that's much more direct than a conversation I had with somebody last week, actually <laughs> about, about trying to get a film sold. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if, yeah. Anyway, great advice. Right. Yeah. Cosign. <laughs> um, so, so from there, you know, you then realize like, oh shit, I got to restart. I got to go back to kind of square one and sort of find, build my, you know, build my base before I can then jump off it. You know, what was, what was your, what was your sort of game plan when you started doing that in LA, when you were like, I'm going to go back to square one. I had through music, I had this somewhat of a friend slash mentor, Mm -hmm. um, 
I haven't talked to him in a while. I, I have such a deep love for him. Uh, Gene Hong. He's a, he's a TV writer now. Shout out to Gene. Shout out to Gene. Uh, super, super wonderful, warm guy, um, and successful, but he basically, um, we, I think we had similar paths and sort of getting to LA and he felt, I felt like he was like maybe two years ahead of, he moved there two years before and mm-hmm. had this like pretty cool trajectory. So he, he basically, yeah. so Angela, so like I, I had one of these friends that was like part of my social circle was like, Hey, I've got a friend starting a commercial agency. Yeah. They need people. You look, you have this look that at the time was really hot, <laughs> um, which really annoys me right now. Cause it's like, uh, ethnically ambiguous which yeah. is like basically like an erasure of identity in a lot of ways but that's a separate conversation perhaps <laughs> anyway so they're like 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 they want folks that are that kind of have your mm-hmm. look and so i was like cool yeah so i go in and they're like great do you have a headshot it was like what's that no headshot i don't know what you're talking about and then they're like okay cool um what about a resume? I was like, never done anything. <laughs> so I was like, I was so green. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything yeah. really, you know? Um, and so, and by the way, that commercial agency took me on and I'm still with them. <laughs> they're like, they're super, <laughs> they're really great. <laughs> like, cool. Go get pictures, go do some things, take some classes. Um, but anyways, but Gene, so shortly after that, I had a lunch with Gene and he basically was like, um, I've taken class at these two places. One's a comedic TV place. One's a more film, deeper character development place. Check them both out. See what resonates mm-hmm. with you. Like dig in deep there. Um, this place is good for shots, like all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so that was just like, and this is again, somewhere between a half a year and a year after I moved yeah. to LA, I was like, cool. I'm like officially getting started as trying to be an actor in, in this yeah. town. And I think there was an, el- an element of this that I talked to, to Gene about. I remember it was like, when I moved to LA, I said that I wanted to be a writer. That's like what I was sort yeah. of telling everyone, but deep inside, hidden inside, <laughs> I knew I wanted to act. And there's something about Gene told me that he's like to, to be a writer feels like it, it is like a, uh, it's easier to be proud of that in some ways. It's like a less vulnerable thing to share. Mm-hmm. And maybe it feels a little more niche in some mm-hmm. ways. And he's like, but, but if you want to act, man, you have to fully embrace that. You can't say I'm going to be a writer, but I also want to, it's like, you have to own, own the path that you want to be on in some yeah. ways. And so that also was something in, in a lot of ways where I was just like, Oh, I, I do want to write. I can continue writing, but this acting thing is really serious to me. And I think that it could be, I think there's something there that I really want to yeah. get after. So, so I think that was kind of a big moment in terms of kind of pushing off into, into what that would yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. Like kicking off, uh, the side of the pool sort of <laughs> situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. With a lap board for sure. But yes. <laughs> Scotty on his little boogie board around LA. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so then, so around what, like, uh, what year is this? Are we talking now? Like, are we in like what? 2008? Not yet. Uh, this is like 2005, okay. I would say. Cool. So maybe actually when I first moved to L- LA, I actually had a proper job uh-huh. for a year. So actually the, this conversation that I'm thinking about, it was actually a year and a half after I moved oh, to LA. Wow. So maybe, maybe that, maybe the acting thing started in like 2006, 2007, okay. but I worked for this comp, I worked for this company in case that made oh, yeah. like, they make like iPhone cases and computer uh-huh. bags. And, um, so I was, I was hired as like their brand manager, um, right when I moved yeah. to LA. And so, um, so did that for about a year 
trying to balance like that while also doing that's when I was like doing the improv stuff and kind of like dipping my toe into everything but was like not committed to anything and so after that year I was like I'm I'm I need to fully focus on this thing that's the reason why I'm now like right after that so like probably 2007 or something you are all in on acting is that where you're at then yeah so you're that's where I'm at. So I'm assuming you're you're you're, go, you're doing the L.A. actor thing. You're going out and you're auditioning and you're auditioning and you're taking classes and you're auditioning and auditioning and auditioning. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. Um, I was hoping for that many auditions. <laughs> also, I thought you were going to say you're doing the L.A. actor thing where you're going out and you're going out and you're going out to yeah. bars <laughs> because that's also like, that's also what that scene is. Um, but no, but I think that your your first assessment is, is right. Yeah. Um. So what was your, it's a slog. It is a slog doing that. Mm -hmm. What was your, um, was it everything that you hoped it would be? Like, what was your mental, uh, mental state when you're just kind of slogging through that, uh, industry out there as an actor? Mm -hmm. I really loved it. And I honestly, I, I really, really do. And I think that there were, there were a couple of things that I think were balancing me out mm-hmm. at this time. I started working with, um, I started working with John again, mm-hmm. but, um, but doing sort of like, um, I, I don't know how to really frame this kind of like brand management type stuff okay. online and a little bit of yeah. merch stuff. So he basically was like, did us get like looking out for me was like, Hey, I think you need work. I could use somebody who kind of understands the voice of what's happening. So, um, a couple hours a week, do these things, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was my day job, which was great. Cause it was flexible. I could then pour a lot of time into whatever creative exploits I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So that was like really nice to where I didn't feel, I didn't feel like any given month was my last month in LA, which is a real gift that I think a lot of people don't yeah. have. Um, I think the other side of it is like, I found such incredible, wonderful relationships and community and self exploration through acting mm-hmm. class. And there's nothing worse than actors talking about acting, <laughs> but, like, but, but it was, it, it just, it gave me so much. And I, I actually, it's one thing that I really miss about that. I feel like is not present around the pandemic is because mm-hmm. that's changed in, in a lot of ways. But I think that I was at an age where like, everything from like technique to film analysis to script analysis to like character development was like so fresh Mm -hmm. for me that I was just like, I was blown away. And so I was with groups of people, we would like get a, get a stage and put up a show for a couple of weeks because we found this play at Samuel French that we really loved and were inspired by, or we'd like go to parks and do like readings. It was like very kind of like fresh into the the artistic side Mm -hmm. of all of that. So that, that was really wonderful from, I think, a creative growth side. And then someone told me super early on that getting on, getting an audition is a win. Yeah. And like, like, and if you go in and you do good work, that's, it's, it's an, op- they actually were like, that's the opportunity to act mm-hmm. because, um, in my experience of like working in TV is more often than not. I am one of the least important things in the big machine of what, what they're shooting that yeah. day. Um, and kind of for me, like regardless of the size role I've had, cause there's so many moving parts, it's a producer's medium. Yeah. And so like, so the audition is the place where I can bring in my own ideas and play 
And like, that's actually the stage for self-expression in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. more than the actual set. Yeah. And so, and so early on that kind of oriented me to like, oh, this is an invite to, to do something fun. And then if you get a call back, that's like a super win. Yeah. And then if I book it, then like, they're going to pay me to do this thing that I never really expected in the first place. And yeah. so I think that like, there were definitely, it wasn't all like, Hey, yay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they're definitely like super hard times <laughs> and some things that like didn't go my way that I was mad heartbroken about, mm-hmm. but like, but I think in general, it never felt like I was never frustrated at the industry for whatever my lack of lack of success mm-hmm. at any given time might've been, or like level of rejection was, I think I always tried to stay pretty reasonable about, about like what the real expectation mm-hmm. was. Yeah. That makes sense. And that definitely seems like you, you're, <laughs> you can take things <laughs> in stride and be like, okay, great. On to the next thing. <laughs> um, Try to. Yeah. Um, so, so you're, you're, you're acting, you're in LA, you're also doing some brand work, maybe with John or with other freelance mm-hmm. things here and there. You're maybe still writing a little bit. I know you, you're always doing a million things. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I just kind of am interested to know. So there's a, there's a period here where then you moved to New York at the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. Were you doing that up until mm-hmm. you came to New York or did you have, were you basically doing all that stuff up until then? No, I went, I went super off the yeah. grid, moved to Glacier. No, we're kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I was doing all of those things and um, I'll just sort of, I'll run through a handful of things. And then if we want to dig sure, into yeah. any of them, but I think that my, my trajectory in LA was kind of like moved out to after I sort of got a little bit of rhythm in the Mm. acting world, it was at a time when like it became easier and easier for creative folks to make and produce and release their own content. And so, so then, um, with a group of folks that I knew, uh, got into filmmaking. And so produce some films, release some films that became like its own path. That was really wonderful and rewarding. Um, so there's like a, a block of time that I was doing that kind of like, Oh, do I want to direct and produce or do I still want to act? And where does writing fit into that? So I think that there's that. And then the other reality of it is like, my experience as an actor is like, there's, there's a, a couple of months a year where it's, there's like a flurry of activity or Mm -hmm. I'll book a job or two and that's great. But I needed something to like, to bridge all those gaps, I think creatively and also just from production, like productivity standpoint. (laughs) So I think that I tried to find other things to to do. And so, like you said, there was like a little bit of like graphic design jobs. I started working Mm -hmm. with young people and trying to figure out kind of like, cool, between the music and the film and the acting and the writing, is there a, a, a part of me that I can offer a young person that's like a little piece of knowledge that inspires them or contributes to what their path is in some way. And so that became a a part of my life in LA in a big way. Um, And then I think the other thing that was really big that started to shift my focus was um, around the time Michael Brown got murdered, I really was like, what, how can my voice in any way contribute to what I feel like I'm learning and that people around me are, mm-hmm. are learning. And so 
So that's when I launched this other project. It was called Mass and Volume and Mm -hmm. it it was a podcast and an essay series. And that I think, um, I learned a lot. It it was based on cultural identity. And I tried to interview folks who sat um, at an intersection of two identities Mm -hmm. that ultimately had played a, played a big role in their career or their sort of voice in, in the public. And so learned so much from that, but then also I think sort of shifted my writing from only being focused on, I think, film and TV mm-hmm. to like, oh, what does it look like for me to write more sort of like narrative pieces, essay pieces, mm-hmm. um, do a little bit of like, like journalistic type writing here and mm-hmm. there. And so, so I think that all those things I was kind of juggling and bouncing around. And then I think that what I was sort of developing socially from, from that project started to put me in a place of thinking of like, um, yes, I'm enjoying working as an actor and pursuing that, but at times it feels very trivial compared to the other things that I'm like taking in about yeah. the world. And so, so I think that there was a culmination of a lot of those things. Um, oh, what was it? I think November, 2016. Oh, yeah. Something um, <laughs> I feel like it was somewhere around there. And, and then after that, I was like, I need to, I need to find, find something that is a full time where I feel like, uh, I am contributing in a way that feels like it's offsetting a lot of the mm-hmm. toxicity and, and, and problematic things that, that I feel are very real. So that, that ultimately is kind of like what evolved and led to the move to mm-hmm. New York. And, and I, I didn't know it at the time, but I feel like I, I consciously or subconsciously like brought a lot of those things that I was working mm-hmm. on to New York with me, yeah. even though I felt like I was going to have a singular focus yeah. once I got yeah. to New York. It sounds like it was brewing for a little bit of time in, in a number of different aspects, mm-hmm. um, like b- beginning to sort of be less of uh be a little bit more of a producer, you know, with the film stuff and like creating your own projects like that in the, in the podcast and working with the youth um, for those branding and design things. And then, you know, when you get to New York, uh, I, where I met you was when you began working yeah. at the future project, um, which is, yeah. uh, if I could describe the future project, a culmination of all of the things that you, we just talked about, uh, you know, me <laughs> working with you, uh, purpose-driven work, uh, things like that. Um, and, and, uh, so, so when you get to New York and you feel like you're going to be singularly driven, but yet you have still kind of can't help but have a few little side things on the, yeah, <laughs> on yeah. the um was was yeah. that um was that invigorating for you to be in a change of scene to feel like you were starting down a fresh path that was like uh, you know not vastly different but definitely different than what you had been doing in LA for sure it was like it was at first <laughs> At first, yeah. At, <laughs> very attentive. I, um, yeah, I, I'd always loved time in New York. I had the wonderful experience of uh, shooting a movie there, living there over a course of a couple summers, but it never like, never not lived there without a suitcase. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I, I even moved there. I moved there in January of 2017. Mm-hmm. It was like deep winter vortex, polar oh, yeah. ice civilization, <laughs> whatever it's called. Culture shock, um, especially when you're coming from LA. <laughs> culture shock. But I was, I was like, just like running around outside in, you know, in jeans. Cause I didn't know any better. And was like, so happy. Like it, it was really, really invigorating in a lot of ways. I was really excited. I came in, I think 
with just like these wide eyes to working with the organization and was so excited mm-hmm. because I really did feel that I was like, oh my gosh, this is the place where I can use all of these different things that yeah. I have experienced yeah. and put them, put them towards something good. Um, and so I think that because of that, I just was like super, super full of energy And I think uh, over the course of my time with the future project, there were, there were phases where that was in such, that was like the thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, my, I've never been operating at my full capacity Mm -hmm. the way that I am right now. And in a way that I feel like is of actual value. And then I think just the reality of, of, of a nonprofit or anything, um, there were times when it wasn't. And then that was kind of frustrating and draining in ways, but, um, I think that's no different to any other season of life, the, the way that it kind of happens. Absolutely. Um, and it does, it is, it has, it's a double-edged sword in some ways. I mean, nonprofit world is just, you know, really difficult uh, because of the limitations um, by, you know, resources and funding and all that. But it's, you know, given that what you were working on really did for the most part at, at times use so many of your skills that you've developed over like the previous like 10 or 15 years in one space. And especially when you um, moved on to your role as dream director, where you were like able to directly have impact every single day with kids. Was that like, what was that like for you when you were like every day interacting with uh, kids in the classroom? Yeah. I, so you you just reminded me of something actually. So I first interviewed to be a dream director mm-hmm. in early 2016, um, oh. like in February or March of 2016. And, um, and even, even went to New York for like the final round of interviews and got to meet a bunch of folks there mm-hmm. and was just so lit up by what the organization was and by all the folks that mm-hmm. I met and ultimately didn't get placed at a school, but w- kept in touch with them. And then I saw this other opportunity come up later that year that ultimately I think matched up and, and that's what I was hired uh, initially mm-hmm. for. And so, so I think I was always really emotionally attached to this role of dream director. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was the, the coolest possible thing. And like you said, it was like able to employ all of these different things that I had learned. And when I finally got into school and I think just for context, like the, the role is called dream director <laughs> and it's like, it's like the best business card in the world. And I think that, I I describe it as like, I saw my role as anybody who walked in, in the door of my office, a student, a teacher, a class, a club, Mm -hmm. an administrator, a parent, um, uh, a a community in the neighborhood who was like, Hey, I think that we should do this thing. I'd I'd love for this thing to happen. Or my dream is Mm -hmm. this. It was my role to help them make that Mm -hmm. happen. And it wasn't about like, it wasn't about necessarily doing, it was never about doing it for them. And it wasn't about just like getting money and resources to Mm -hmm. do it, but it was about like teaching the process and building skills and mindsets so that whether or not the thing materialized, uh, they, whoever that was would feel the experience enough to know that the next time they thought of something, it would be possible and they could do it themselves. And so, so it's like this beautiful model of a thing. And I, I look back at the time at the school and it's like, you mentioned time and resources being sort of limitations of a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you said uh, funding, funding and resources, resources but yeah. funding resources. But I, I really think it was time for me. Cause yeah. I think it was like, if I just, that's the thing that I wanted was like more time because I just saw so many opportunities to, 
to do awesome stuff everywhere, you know? And I think that like, that was, that was super exciting. And, and so, so I really, really loved that period of time. And the things that we created at the school were all things that feel, they felt like connected to either stuff that Mm -hmm. I had some experience doing, um, but was, but was what the students or the school needed. And like, I think just like, and a couple anecdotal things, three juniors when I was there and these, these young people are about to graduate college now. Oh my God. That makes me feel old. (laughs) Um, yeah. But these three juniors were like, we want to start a school newspaper. And so we started this school newspaper and I remember over the course of their time there, we built it up. We released like a couple editions a year, Mm -hmm. had a staff of like six students who were kind of all like learning in design and figuring out writing and sourcing photos from their friends and things. I saw this video of the newspaper staff meeting Mm -hmm. from like last month. There's like 40 students in this room building this newspaper that's like robust and looks super pro and it's just like, there's, there's a handful of things like that, that we started at the mm-hmm. school that like have lasted in a way that is exactly how the nonprofit kind of designed yeah. them to be. And so that's like, I think that there's, there's very few things in life that I've done that I think are as gratifying mm-hmm. as that because of, and it's not that I, I wasn't even the central character in that, but like I was a part of mm-hmm. this team with these young people and it's a, the whole thing about me one of the large things we wanted to do with me being at the school was to create a sense of legacy and pride at Mm -hmm. the school. And it feels like that has existed. And it wasn't just me, of course, there's like other people who have like carried that torch, but, um, but it was really, really awesome. And one other thing I'll add about this is that the nonprofit was like, if you're a dream director, you also have to pursue your own dreams. That's like part of the Uh deal. So to, to model what it is to always be chasing after things. And so, so I had a lot of license and flexibility to do other things while I was in New York working as a dream mm-hmm. director. So it's like show up at the school, but I could also pursue acting in New York. Mm-hmm. I could find some cool people and produce a dope music video. Hey, yeah. Um, so, so I think that there were a lot of elements like that, mm-hmm. that were, that made it feel like a really, really full and whole yeah. experience. And it was really just like, the only kind of, and I think this is also a byproduct of being in New York, but the only thing that I ever feel like any kind of, um, noise about, I think is like, I just never had enough time in the day to do all of these yeah. things that were, that felt so exciting and, and valuable and all that, ways. um, that I think that is a byproduct of New York. There is so much potential yeah. in every single moment of every day and you can only physically do so much. And then it feels like you're like wasting so much by not being able to do every single thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Something uh, just to throw in, there's something that you just said about that too, that I remembered about my, my first couple months uh-huh. in New York was uh, through the mass and volume project. I was, uh, I was reading a lot of like a, a certain, a certain number mm-hmm. of writers. And then, so it was like, I mean, between the world and me was huge at the time. So like Tom mm-hmm. Coates, but then also Nicole, Nicole Hannah Jones hadn't done the 1619 project yet, but she had written this like incredible piece about um, mm-hmm. segregation in yeah. schools and Jelani Cobb who writes for um, New Yorker and a handful of others. And because of what New York is and because it's such a media hub for mm-hmm. the world, I was, I was able to like see all of these people in person in like the first two months of living in New York. Mm-hmm. 
And then at that time, those were my like biggest heroes, because like I said, I, I was sort of still interested in film and TV, but my focus had kind of pivoted to like a different type of mm-hmm. writing. And, and so there was also that, that I think, uh, was a piece of feeling super invigorated, like you said, about being yeah. in the city. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm now with these people that I'm aspiring to, to be like, or yeah. work with in you know, like if they were like, Hey, I need somebody to do research on this book. I'd be like, please me unpaid. I'm like, I'm down to do whatever you want. (laughs) And it felt accessible in a way that like, it did not feel in Los Angeles. And so I think that change of environment in in that regard and others was super important for me. So just to like, sort of grab my head around this journey so far, um, you know, you started, you were plucked from college in Georgia (laughs) and um, Mm -hmm. you started to sort of develop your, uh, you know, skills in voice on, on the road. But then when you went to LA, that seems like a bit of a, a personal passion driven pivot where you're like, I want to pursue writing, but now maybe acting filmmaking. And then the pivot to when you jumped to New York and slightly before that with the podcast seems more like purpose driven. Like you were like, I want to have impact. Um, it's, it's interesting to me because it's, it's not one thing always like uh, sort of driving your sort of different twists and turns, but maybe different aspects of things that are important to you. Um, so to, to continue that conversation, well, you know, obviously the future project uh, in, uh, you know, the case with many uh, companies and nonprofits, they ebb and they flow and they change. And I know eventually your role ended up changing. You became a tour manager for a, another project they were doing that was similar to a lot of the stuff. But eventually mm-hmm. you moved on from there. Um, and then when you moved on from that, what was the uh, what was the pivot? Were you still pursuing like a purpose-driven path or? Uh, let's see. So I, great summation, by the way. And I think that it's, it, yeah, I think it feels really accurate. And also th- it kind of feels like all of those things have been, of course, elemental to who I am at any, mm-hmm. any given moment. They just were, they became the loudest in, in terms right. of what was informing what what I was doing. Um, and I think that after I left the future project, I had, I mean, the, the biggest thing when I think about that period of my life is that, um, I had, I had, um, (laughs) so nervous. Um, I'd fallen in love (laughs) and it had been, it had Uh been a a reason that I would, I'd moved back to Los Angeles. Um, I also, I also was having a tough time, I think for a number of reasons, I really, I really did benefit a lot from being in New York, but I think just, um, personal culture wise, LA felt like a bigger fit for me. And so, yeah, uh, moved back to LA for some, a handful of personal reasons. I was able to keep working with the nonprofit for the, for the time. And then I think that when I left the nonprofit, I actually felt like I was restarting in a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that, I think that like I spent some time for the first time ever as like an official, like freelancer contracted work person. And wow. First time. Yeah. Well, First I'm time. Shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I was super blessed throughout my life to I think always have one thing thread to the next and yeah. everything that I've, that I've really ever done is kind of been project based, whether that project has been 10 months or two days. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, it, I, I guess future project was the first time I'd actually been like fully employed by an employer. Like salary. Um, yeah. 
salary. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so anyway, so, so I did that and ultimately I doubled down on writing. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, I would, I would take on these different freelance jobs and then really focused on, yeah, like I, I said 15 years ago that I was going to be a screenwriter. I have some <laughs> writing credits, but like I've never, I've never fully finished a script that I've tried to get optioned or shopped mm-hmm. around or even yeah. like gotten co- coverage on. And so I sort of was like, cool, a series of events has put me here where I have a lot of free time. And so let me, let me make ends meet the way I need to with work. And then also, um, just write as much as possible. And so yeah. that was really the focus for, I would say like almost, almost a year, maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just focusing purely back on writing and being like, let's, let's get these ducks in a row and, and restart the relight this ignition over here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think some of that was, yeah. Cause I think that <laughs> when I think about this conversation too, I'm like, oh, there's like a lot of different, um, a lot of different colors of paint on the palette yeah. at this point. You know what I mean? And it's like, cool. Um, <laughs> where, what do we want to lead with? What do we want to do? Yeah. And so I think some of it was like trying to make sense of what, did I, what have I been doing over the previous like five or six years? Mm-hmm. And so what, what made sense there? And then through that too, I think the wonderful thing that I got out of a lot of the freelance work and also kind of like looking for looking for work opportunities mm-hmm. was having a lot of really great conversations with folks that I would never talk to some of whom are friends or some who were new yeah. kind of about like way, ways to plug into the work that they were doing. And so I never, and never, none of that felt like pitchy, but I think that it was really great to, to understand kind of like that landscape in a way that yeah. I never was forced to do before. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, just like, I mean, it's just seeking collaboration. I feel like less than yeah. pitchy, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And also just like, I, I don't know, I am the same way where I like to uh, just keep up on what people are up to so that I can mm-hmm. cheer them on or help them out. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're super great about that. And I think that the, every now and then I'll, I'll see your name pop up in my inbox and it's always like, it's a really wonderful check-in and it's like more people more people should do that kind of thing. And so I, I super appreciate it. Reach out to your friends, people. It makes you yeah. feel good. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Um, so, so then that, that basically leads us to just a couple of years ago now in the path of Scotty Crow across the ages. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously um, a lot of things got tossed in all different directions in 2020 that no one expected. Um, but I know just previous to uh that I believe, or that year, you then, um, you're now based back in Atlanta. Uh, Correct. Yeah, again, well, not, you're from Georgia originally. I don't know if you ever like yeah. fully, li- did you grow up in Atlanta or was it outside of Atlanta? Born in College Park, home okay. of Outcast and Goody Mob, yeah. College Park. <laughs> and um, uh, born in Atlanta, lived in College Park. Parents moved down to like Brunswick. Yeah. Jekyll okay. Island, this little area. Yeah. And then... So that came back up, lived in Atlanta, like for college. And that's where I met Mayor. And then, so it's been quite a, quite some time, but like as a, as a youth, I I did call Atlanta home for a little bit. (laughs) So you're, so you're in Atlanta again. Were you driven back to Georgia 
Um, I know you went back during uh, the election because it was such mm-hmm. an important place to be uh, at that time. And especially given that you have such deep roots there, it's like someone like you who's going to get involved. Why wouldn't you? Um, mm-hmm. But then obviously you stayed. Um, and, and so since you've, you've been back there, how are you now like sort of, you know, you're you're pursuing, you're focusing on writing, you're working with um Let's see. The Speed Project is the that's right, that's right. organization. Speed Project. Uh, yeah. And then I, I imagine you're doing a number of other million things at any one point in time because you're Scotty Crow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, how does how does this all? Can you explain to me, like, in your own words, how you think this all kind of culminates? Like this hmm. this uh, you know, to be back at the beginning where you started. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe there's three little things that I can share. The first is just to give, I think a little bit of a story about how we decided to, to move back to Atlanta and for my wife to move to Atlanta um, Mm -hmm. last summer. She's not originally from Atlanta either. She's, no, LA. and she, she, she never been to the South until I dragged her here a few years ago. <laughs> Kicking um, and screaming. She, right. That's right. She, um, but she's, is, she's taken to it and it's taken to her very nicely. Atlanta's cool. She's, Atlanta is cool. Atlanta's <laughs> great. There is, there is such incredible untapped potential and possibility mm-hmm. to create things in Atlanta in, in the industry. I'll just put mm-hmm. that out there. It is like, it is, it is a wonderful place. Um, if you have an entrepreneurial or creative spirit. That said, uh, yeah, my wife's from Portland, Oregon, so I had never uh, made the full diagonal until she had to start dealing with me. <laughs> but but last um, last obviously last spring and last summer there was a lot happening yeah. around you know the racial uprising and conversations around social and racial justice, and mm-hmm. we were living in LA at the time in the pandemic, working from home, and we I think the the first week of June last year went went to a park and we're like, let's figure out where we feel like we, what, what do we want to try to learn and where do we want to try to be to, to put what we're learning into action ultimately. Cause I think at that Mm -hmm. time there was like so many different calls to action. All of them felt really valid at the time. And it's like, where do we put our energy? And so we went to this park and we talked about a bunch of stuff and we made this list and it was like, what three, what are three things that each of us want to try to involve ourselves with Mm -hmm. between between June 1st and the end of 2020 and um, flipping Georgia blue and getting at least one of the senators elected from Georgia Mm -hmm. were like the top two for me. One of those was in the top one for, for my wife and also um, uplifting the work of, of, of black women and community organizers was on her list as well. And so Mm -hmm. we sort of looked at that and was like, Georgia feels like the place to go to try to learn how we can, support these things. And so, so we moved in, we moved at the end of that summer and the the idea was like, let's go live in Atlanta Mm -hmm. as much time as we can add to the capacity of these things. Let's do that. Um, the election will happen in November and then we'll take the rest of November and like hang out in Atlanta, see what it's like. And if we like it, we'll stay a little bit longer. If not, we'll come back to LA but then obviously the runoff happens. And so yeah. we're like, we, we can't leave now. So then we stay, we stay through January. Mm-hmm. And at that point it had felt like home. And I think that we had met just wonderful people here who invited us into these neighborhoods that are very special and mm-hmm. are in periods of like transition in some ways. And I think feeling 
feeling connected to that and their work just was like, it felt too, we felt like we would regret it if we moved from Atlanta mm-hmm. at, at that point. So, so we decided to settle down and for a chapter, at least to time to be decided. And, and then the other component, the second thing that I wanted to share with that is like, so we have learned so much and built built so many relationships around that work mm-hmm. and realized that it's obviously not tied to just one election. And so that's yeah. a, still an active part of our lives here and it's really fulfilling and it, it shows up in a way that, um, that is continues to be educational and also I think for us feels connected to our values in a way that hasn't in other places that we've lived. And so that feels really special for me personally. um, The film and TV industry here is on an incredible scale of growth. Um, It really is. I know so many people that are moving there to like, as if, you know, it's a New York or LA. Yeah. I mean, um, plus or minus on this decision, but I think due to the fact that it never really had to fully shut down during the pandemic meant that a lot of production mm-hmm. came here. The productions yeah. that were here grew and I think grew safely, but like, but ultimately grew. And so there's, yeah, there's so much happening here. And I was like super blessed to get some representation when I first moved here. And so I've been able to be like very active with that. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's like, that's wonderful where that doesn't feel like a trade off from, from moving from LA from that sort of like constant, um, aspiration that I have. And then I think the other thing that's an element of being here is, is the work with the speed project. And I think that like you're asking kind of to try to sum everything up and, um, my business partner's name is Nils and I, I am, I am historically, because I haven't talked about it really at all in, in this interview. Um, <laughs> I, I have a hard time finding people that I collaborate well with and maybe, uh-huh. I, and I like, it's not top of mind. And then I think just for me to feel completely in sync with somebody to work on like a really dedicated long-term is like, mm-hmm. it's happened, but it's fairly rare. And mm-hmm. Nils is, is an exception to that. And so we have this really great working synergy, but before he, when we were talking about me coming on sort of full time to work as a creative director for the speed project, he said, like, you're doing all these different things. If you came on and worked with the speed project, um, how many of those things in that pie chart do you feel like would be fulfilled versus how much of your time would you need to spend seeking them out somewhere else? And after giving it some thought. Yeah. And also like very kind. And, mm-hmm. and also I felt like really seen as a person versus yeah. like other folks I've worked with. It's like, okay, so I need you to just do this thing or, well, don't really worry about this graphic design thing. Cause you know, like it, there's a, there's a, I think a lack of imagination with the way we view people sometimes. And yeah. So Nils, I think looked out for me, but I responded. I was like, I think it's like really close to hundred percent. And I think in this, in this role, it's, it's not dissimilar from some of the work with the future project where it has Uh a, like, I get to do a lot of on-camera work. I get to do a lot of like production and experience design work. We get to do a lot of like super creative branding design exercises. Um, there's a lot of like collaborative like it, it it really does a lot and i think that there's an element where the things that we've done i mean we've like done in person experiences we've had pop up tv shows we've created magazines mm-hmm. we've like d- done a bunch yeah. of different stuff and like all of that is like a playground to me and 
a lot of it is like I'm we've designed merchandise like I'm I'm drawing from yeah. like you're going like to a use, lot of these other points in my career. Yeah, you're going to need to use all the colors on your palette. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really cool. You're going to paint with all the colors of the wind, Scotty. That's pretty cool. No, I'm trying, <laughs> trying to, yeah. And and I think one other element of this too that that we created as well was um was a fund to support uh, local organizations working at the intersection of running and racial justice. And so mm-hmm. that was like yeah. another thing that was very present to me. And so, so I think that the balance of all those things, like you said, I'm getting to paint with a full palette in a way that like any other role that I've had, hasn't really been the full expression of that for yeah. better or worse. And so, so I think that the fact that that's happening and also we operate in a decentralized manner so I can do that from here as well. Yeah. And, and being here and doing the other things that I'm doing here also influence that in a really positive way too. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. I, I love that because it's, you know, we were talking how like maybe your first pivot was sort of passion driven. Second pivot was maybe a little bit more purpose driven. And now this, this, this third pivot, I guess if you want, I mean, there's many other mini pivots within, but like this third sort of swerve um, is, is kind of seems like a little bit of both. I think you've been able to put like one roller skate (laughs) that's one thing on and the other roller skate (laughs) that is another thing on (laughs) and sort of skate on down the road. (laughs) Yeah. While still trying to maintain balance at every given moment. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Not easy to do, but, um, a worthwhile endeavor to try and attempt. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I think it does, it does feel like that in a lot of ways. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that maybe you, agree with this, but I think it's like, there is a, I think a constant drive to, to feel creatively fulfilled. And Mm -hmm. I think what I found is like the more, uh, the larger sort of the the play space that I have, the more I can sort of scratch that itch. And, Mm -hmm. and I think for me, it helps to have, it helps to have like a level of not like stability, but like, mm-hmm. um, but to have like time to figure out what that looks like and time yeah. to like expand what I'm doing versus working from a place of like, of not knowing, like not really knowing if what I'm doing is, is working or if I'm going to stay committed to it the next day. And so I think that there's something nice about this that offers a little bit of both. Yeah. And it does feel like you have that room to breathe um, that, you know, especially because you have the opportunity to sort of choose your own adventure, especially like, you know, with both of the major things you're working on right now. Um, there's no like there's no like, you know, oh, uh, like, for example, a huge deadline to any of this, you know, it's right. ongoing work. There's, mm-hmm. there's always going to be like more that can be done. Um, and I think that gives you such a great opportunity to sort of see where it takes you. <laughs> yeah. That's the hope. I really have to say, like, I, I have a lot of uh, respect for the amount, the way that you sort of have driven your journey, whether intentionally or not at all times, maybe sometimes intentionally and a lot of other times, maybe the journey is driving you, um, to sort of, to I, I feel like come to that point where you are wearing two roller skates and not just mm-hmm. changing your pairs of roller skates for different things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll add is I f- it's just to say that, uh, first of all, this conversation has been super dope because it like, it <laughs> requires me to like peel back the layers on 
um, yeah. <laughs> on, on, a, on a life that feels like very normal because it's mine. You know what I mean? And I think that right. to, to, to look at it and be like, cool, what are the themes or the, the sort of catalysts that, that set that up in a, in a way. And so I, I really appreciate yeah. the space for that. I think that there's something that I'm really thankful for where I was like, I was gifted really early on with an experience that made me believe that anything that I felt called to do, I should pursue versus Mm -hmm. I think, I think a different experience that would make me very apprehensive or uh, tread lightly in a direction. And so I'm, I've been super blessed, I think with that first opportunity. And then the fact that while like not everything I've done has maybe worked at a hundred percent level of what I expected it to do or what like peers of mine have experienced. I, I like, I lift through it in a way to where it like, it feels super great for me and I benefited from it and hopefully like return some value or, um, or receive some value from it. And so I think that there's a thing about that where it all felt like it kind of like flowed very naturally because I was just going to, um, I had agency in it, but I was, I was going to the places that felt like I was called the strongest and able to mm-hmm. yeah. cre- create something or figure something out there. And, and some of that was actually from like, we didn't get into this. We don't need to, but like some of it was because I had people, not well, people got in the way or I was rejected or something didn't specifically go yeah. the way that I wanted, or I had this challenge in my way, but around that every time there was something else that was really promising. And so, um, Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like good fortune wrapped in that as well that I think that I'm, I'm very thankful for. Yeah. I mean, just starting at the way you were starting that thought with, um, the, the having that, uh, sort of injection of a feeling that like anything I want to do, there is a way for me to, to go out and make it happen from such a young age, I think is huge because I mean, I know myself, uh, was just not super, there's just like, I grew up with this mentality and I think a lot of people do that aren't sort of getting a firsthand look into the industry. It's sort of just like, well, people like us can't do things like that. It's like, that's for like people with, with connections or that's for whoever. Um, but to like have that sort of like shade peeled up for you right when you're like, you know, 19 years old and be like, Oh, look, like regular, regular dudes can like go and play this like massive tour. Um, and, and, you know, I can make it happen is, um, is, is, is a huge, like, it's like a step stool over, you can see over the fence and see what's on the the other side, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's super important. And I, yeah. And I, I wish that for everyone, honestly, I think it's, it's, it's yeah. vital. So. Yeah. Same, same. If I could travel back in time. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. There should be like a Hogwarts letter or something that goes out mm-hmm. to like every kid. That's mm-hmm. just like, if anyone tells you you can't do something, they're fucking stupid. Don't listen to them. Boom. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think we should send that to them young and get them over expletives anyway from the jump. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, just be like, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Normalize, <laughs> normalize profanity and let them know that anything is possible in the same letter. I think it's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for joining me, Scotty. What a lovely conversation about your wearing two different roller skates and just swerving from purpose to passion and back again. I can't get the image of two different roller skates out of my head. I think one is pink and sparkly and one has flames on the side. Something like that. That's just kind of where I'm vibing. If you'd like to follow Scotty, you can find him on Instagram at Scotty Crow, or you can follow his work with The Speed Project at The Speed Project. If you're enjoying this podcast, the one that we've been talking to people about swerving for about nine weeks, if you're liking it, I would really appreciate if you could rate and review it on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. It would mean a lot to me and I would really appreciate it. Really help me out. As for me, I remain your ever enigmatic host, Angela Palladino. Actually, I'm not really enigmatic at all. In fact, I'm enigmatic as fuck. Uh, I'm just kind of just way too out there. Uh, so if you want to follow me, I'm so enigmatic that I'm on Instagram and you can follow me at Ange.Pal or on Twitter at AngePal, no dot. Um, again, like I said, enigmatic. That's not a word. That's fine. I'll be here again next week with another episode for you with more tales from the swerve. There is more to come this season. You just got to wait seven days. That's it. Until then, I'll talk to you. Bye.